going on, everybody? I'm your host, Zach, the Bandit Burke, and with me, as always, is the Turf King, Cameron Charlton. What is going on, Cam? Just another day without football. This Tuesday, Wednesday of every week just seems so <laughs> weird. I'm like, what do I do at night? There's no football on. There's really nothing no. to watch. I'm a little confused. World Got Series off the ice over. last night. Yeah, World Series. I mean, I didn't. I don't know if I watched a game, to be honest. It, I, I didn't care. I, once the Jays were out, I stopped caring. That's fair. I mean, the, the Raps have been super fun to watch, but no Scotty Barnes the last two nights. So I'm like, now that's not even as much fun. I, I, I don't know what to watch. I guess I'll just drink. So, yeah, I mean, that's always recommended. You got off the ice last night, and you're like, so what now? Well, my legs were hurting. <laughs> Try not skating for two years, and I got to call a minor midget game for the first time. That's a lot of skating. And skating is different muscles than you use ever. So, yeah, oh, yeah. that was lots of fun. Especially refereeing, too, right? Because it's all, like, generally speaking, like when you're playing hockey, it's kind of all over the place, right? But, um, you know, it's when you're refing, it's often similar that up down were you lining or actually refing i was calling the game i was refing oh so you're kind of circling around all the time and doing all that stuff hey eh? so that's that yeah that's quite a workout yeah it, it was quite a workout i mean yeah it yeah so i just need something to watch now like any good netflix shows any recommendations SWAT's here anything good. i like swat swat's pretty good i'm just wrapping up that season four i actually had to look and see if he was getting canceled because uh I was enjoying the storyline. But, yeah, they're renewed for Season 5. Uh, I mean, a good thing to watch. Um, I mean, hey, you could watch the Leafs. Leafs are on a bit of a tear. Did you catch any of that game last night? Yeah, it looked like Mitch Marner uh, showed up for once. And it seems like Justin Hall gets healthy scratched and the team starts playing well. It's like the team just hates Justin Hall. Is he the whipping Mitch boy Marner right looks now? Like he's... Sorry? Is he the whipping boy right now, Hall? Yeah. Justin Hall is the whipping boy. He gets healthy scratch now two games in a row, and everyone's skating harder. Mitch Marner looks like he's trying. Everybody's doing better. How much do the guys hate Justin Hall? Maybe they like him. That's why they're playing better. They're like, if we play better, then maybe we'll get him back in. Turn the tide. I, I, I don't yeah, I don't see the logic there. If you're playing so much better without him in the lineup, probably keep him out. Yeah, I mean, maybe. I mean, I can't necessarily attribute one thing to another, but I mean, like, Marner came out and said, he's like, man, like, I got to stop, like, thinking about scoring and just go out and do what I can do. And the goal he scored last night was, I mean, a horrible play defensively by the Vegas guy, frankly. Um, but, like, a great little in-between-the-legs pass to himself back to our, uh, you know, that little backhand. It's pretty. Matthew's got a couple. The easiest plus-money bet that I've placed this year was Matthew's uh, anytime goal. Stacked up on that. Yeah, I mean, it had to get plus money eventually. He hasn't been scoring the same rate he was last year. Everyone was expecting that again. And, yeah, Matthews is a good goal scorer, but he wasn't going to go on record paces for years. He's not that. And the North Division was still super high scoring last year, so that is a difference. Montreal the same way, though. I mean, I'm just so happy we play in a division with a team as bad as the Detroit Red Wings because every (laughs) time everything's falling so much for Montreal and you're like, fuck, this team can't win a game. They look terrible. They play Detroit twice this year and just take care of business and destroy Detroit. You're like, oh, yeah, okay, we're not that bad. Yeah, we're not that, that team. Yeah. No, that's exactly it. I mean, since we've last talked, like, you look, like, the Leafs won a few games. The Lightning won a few games. They're right back into the top of the division. Buffalo's still up there as well. Montreal is currently in last. But tied with Ottawa, so can't, you know, there, there's definitely a room up. Did you see the Cole Caulfield-Laval Rockets picture? I died laughing when I saw that online today. 
Yeah, he didn't look very happy to be in Laval. (laughs) Like, is he going to be part of both teams? Because he's going to get called back up to the Habs. Like, there's no doubt about it. But is is he going to be in both? Because... I would love to see a side by side of his of his you know Montreal Canadiens team pick and his Laval Rockets team pick. Yeah, it's just a, it's an awkward year for him, and I think it was the right play to send him back down. Of course, he's not going to be happy, but this guy scores goals everywhere he's been, and he looks like he's going to score goals in the NHL at some point. But Montreal's had a big mess in leadership, big mess in changeover. Things aren't going as well as it should. Send the guy down to the AHL, where last year when he played a few games there, he was dominant. He scored. So let's do that again. Let's get the kids' confidence back up. He's young. He knows how to score goals. Let's get that going again. See the puck hit the back of the net a few times, and you never know from there. You're even seeing it like Nick Suzuki finally scored last night, and then what did he do? He took over that game against Detroit. Maybe that's That's because Caulfield wasn't there. That's what you expect from your number one center, though. That's all they need a little bit, especially young guys. I'm just going to move right past that comment. (laughs) You just need that from your young guys occasionally. They just need to get the monkey off the back there. To see it go in and be like, okay, let's just play hockey, get back into it. So I'm hoping that these guys can figure it out, and I think it's the best thing for this development. Montreal has an off year this year. It's not a horrible thing. They got a lot of young pieces still, and you never know. Yeah, I mean, you're right. Um, there's two things. So we got to break down our uh, our picks from last week, if you can call them that. I mean, they were picks. They just weren't very good. Um, I do have some some – some qualms about last week that I definitely want to discuss. But before we do that, there's two things that have been in the news the last week that I, we should definitely touch on. Uh, the first one, we'll go with the oldest news, which is the, um, the, the Kyle beach and Chicago Blackhawks issue, which has been uh, really the center of the hockey universe for the past week or so. Like not many people are actually covering sports as much and rightfully so. I mean, there's definitely, there's been a talk about culture change in hockey for a long time. Um, but Rick, Rick Westhead definitely brought this to light. Um, let me frame this as a question for you. So, I mean, I don't really think, I think it's been dug into the ground, really that issue, um, in, in the sense where everybody's heard about it. Um, we don't necessarily have to give an opinion on, on that issue because it's pretty obvious that there was a failure in that organization on multiple parts. Um, but I do want to talk about Gary Bettman and his handling of kind of the press conference that they had, try to shut Rick Westhead out um, reports being that there's several owners who are unhappy with how Bettman's handled the situation. Do you see him being on the way out? Like, I'd love to get your take on that. I, I think he should be. This is a guy who stepped up when Montreal made the controversial draft pick, which they shouldn't have done in Logan Mayu, and we touched on that, saying this kind of behavior can't happen in the NHL, it can't happen in hockey, anything like this. It didn't happen at the NHL level, but it still can't happen. We don't need players like this. So what has he done since then? He's talked about the Sheldon Kennedy issue and said, yeah, it didn't happen in the NHL, I don't care. You're still, this is the biggest hockey league in the world. You're still advocating for hockey. Yeah, it's, you're advocating for the NHL, but it's hockey first. Then the way they shut out Rick Westhead. Yeah, you're not happy with him revealing all the information and revealing it. Of course not, because you tried hiding it. You were a part of the issue, and you don't like your league looking bad. I get that. But he was the biggest reporter in here. You had to give him the credit. The Hockey Raiders Association, which Rick Westhead isn't a part of, is stepping up and trying to get Gary Batman in trouble here, get Don Fear. There's a lot of issues here. And yeah, he's really good for the owners and making them money, but there's bigger issues than money, and this is a bigger issue than that. You can't just keep 
acting like this is okay when it's clearly not. And yeah, I just don't see any way that you can keep a guy like this, especially when basically he's having to do press conferences to re-explain his press conference because it went so poorly. It's, it's not a good look on him. And I, yeah, I don't have any time or place for that. Well, and, and all executives have a shelf life. I think that's just a pretty obvious fact, right? Like the, you're not going to be around for forever. He has been around for a long, long time. And there's definitely, I would say some good stuff that he's done for the league. Um, but talk, you know, you touched on making the owners money. I can tell you what does not make sponsors and partnerships want to remain in that spot, uh, is scandals like this. Um, you know, especially when, you know, with that, with me too movement that, that rolled around a couple of years ago, um, and just how social, like the social activist side uh, of where society is right now. Um, you know, you you don't want to be on, on the wrong side of that. It would have been much simpler for Gary to, and I, and I get, as you said, I understand why he's defending kind of his group because nobody wants to take the blame for it. But the problem is, is that somebody has to take the blame because if, if nobody that was in a position of power is taking the blame and they gave the Blackhawks a $2 million fine, which was a joke. Um, like if you're actually going to punish them, punish them or, or don't like it's, you know, whatever, but you can't just basically say, well, you know, it's, it's nobody, it's, you know, everybody kind of did their jobs and we all failed and not any one particular person actually, you could just be, oh, it's Brad, Brad Aldrich. Well, yeah, he was the offender, but everybody knew about it. And frankly, the support, like even his agents afterwards are saying that they haven't really talked at all. Yeah. And then you're hearing the Akima loose situation come up and he's saying all this and the agents, lawyers, everybody's like, no, they haven't done any of that. And I mean, it started right on the day that all this news came out. He let Joel Quenville coach that night. Whether he was going to leave or resign or get fired or whatnot, you could not let him coach that night without the NHL speaking to him and having their meeting. He should have just been on leave until they had that discussion. That was horrible. Joel Quenville should have known better than to get behind that bench that night. I will give Stan Bowman at least the benefit of the doubt here. He stood up. He took the blame. He resigned. He had to. He had no choice, of course. But he actually did seem empathetic, and he like he knew he screwed up, and there was a mistake. Where the NHL and Gary Batman, I still don't feel like they care. They only care because they got caught. Where Stan Bowman seemed to actually care and realize that he made a mistake. And I mean, again, yeah, I get it. It's money. It's the NHL. It's bigger than what we think. But this is a bigger situation. This is something that we're seeing in sports. And yeah, it's it's just not okay. The entire situation, and he's to blame here. And this should be bigger than making the owners money now because they'll find a new commissioner who can do that. Yep. And you're a role model for kids. Make sure you got to get it right. Right. Like you have, you have to get it right. Because if, if you know, people, especially predators see that if you can get away with it at the NHL level, you can get away with it at any level. Um, and that's, I think the biggest danger by not handling it correctly. Yeah. And my kind of last comment here is like, especially hearing some of the way the guys like Taze and Kane have talked and then they've apologized for the, what they said. But hockey's always been my favorite sport. It's been the sport that I grew up playing since I could. I have now don't think I can give any benefit of the doubt to any hockey player or hockey in general when it comes to this sort of stuff. Just with everybody hiding it and hearing how they hit it and not showing the remorse that they should for the most part, I don't think I can give any benefit of the doubt now, especially to the NHL. No, 
I totally agree. And somebody who, um, you know, definitely does is hard with hard as a hammer was, is Roger Goodell. And that's just a really bad transition to the next news, which was yesterday shook the football world. Henry Ruggs, the third involved in a car accident was, uh, um, observed as impaired at the scene, fiery crash, one female, 23 year old victim, uh, and her, and her pet, her dog. Um, and it, more details have come out that uh, Henry Ruggs III was traveling 156 miles an hour in his Corvette, uh, was two times over the legal limit, had a loaded handgun in the car, assumingly unregistered, don't know, because they did say that he was going to get charged with a, with a gun charge as well. Uh, but Henry Ruggs III also released by the Vegas Raiders after the news, obviously. Um, and he is facing a lot of time, and I've seen a lot of stuff on social media about how they feel bad that this kid threw his life away, and I have no sympathy. I think it's, I think that it's a shame that somebody made that choice to be a criminal and drive under the influence, which and and kill someone. I mean, Josh Jacobs didn't get charged; he got charged but not convicted because he was under the legal limit and he was close, right? It's a firsthand example, and then you're 22 years old. You've got your girlfriend, you have a, you're your wife, you have a young kid, and you're making decisions like that. It's just an absolute shame that and embarrassing that he would make that decision and end up getting somebody killed. So in terms of his career and money lost and this and that and the other thing or, or his promising football career, doesn't matter. You killed someone. That's that's the thing to me that matters the most. Yeah, there's there's no excuse here, and you're hearing people – reporters and stuff in Vegas saying they don't even know how he could get that fast going on that stretch of road while being under the influence and stuff. And you hear people feeling sorry for the kid. Like, no, uh, you feel sorry for the family who just lost somebody because, uh, I don't know a nice way of putting this an overprivileged, really high paid player decided to take someone's life basically. And who we could have three dead easily because of this situation. And, there's, there's no excuse for it. There's something of having fun and driving fast. There's something of having fun and drinking, but you can't do any of those together. And there's no excuse for it, especially being that impaired. It's yeah, there's, there's no excuse here. You feel sorry for the family. It's a shame he did this. Yeah. Cause he could have had a promising football career. But to me now I'm like, I kind of hope he gets the max sentence here. He, he, yeah, what he did, there's no excuse for and keep in mind too, right? I, I do think that, you know, people make bad decisions and I, I am definitely a proponent of, you know, second chances. And I admit, we talked about this before, right? I had mentioned too, right? If you get caught on a DUI and you didn't kill anybody, and that's a great wake up call that you could have killed somebody easily. You made a very poor decision. You absolutely should get charged for that. No doubt. Is there coming back from that? For sure. As soon as you kill somebody with reckless action like that, there's no coming back from that. Um, now, one of the things I did want to say is, is that, you know, for him, there's an opportunity here for, and you're going to serve time. I would feel like the district attorney there is going to throw the book at him as an example, as a high profile athlete, that being that you're not above the law, you killed somebody like he's getting charged with DUI causing death. Like that's no joke. You're 20 years max, um, is what the, is what I've read at least for that, um, and yeah, like you're not above the law. You took an innocent life and you're going to pay the price for it. Um, so I would expect that. But there is there is for him, whatever he does get out is, you know, being that 
high high profile athlete i think a great option for him in the future would be to become a speaker and talk about how his poor choices have changed um changed his life in a negative the life that he took and try to be a mentor to other young professional athletes so that they don't make that mistake i think that you know if that's a path that he wants to go down i think that that would be appropriate but i mean at this point nothing that you can really say or do is gonna you know bring that family their daughter back uh their wife their sister their aunt back um so obviously condolences to the family and ah just a messy situation yeah at the end of the day i'm not saying that he doesn't deserve a second chance he's got to serve his 20 to whatever it'll be or 10 15 20 whatever years it'll be in prison and then he's done it i know you can never bring back the persons that died but it doesn't mean that everyone who makes the mistakes alive has to serve the same punishment so he's going to serve his time and he deserves every second he's going to be in prison for it. So that's kind of how it is. And does he deserve a second chance if he does the right things afterwards? Yeah, he does. But uh, hopefully he can learn from this and serves his time. Are you ready to talk about our disaster week eight? Yeah. I mean, this uh, conversation isn't getting a whole lot better. We're talking football, so it's better than talking about what we were, but uh, (laughs) these picks this week. Yeah. Not good. Let's get into it. Full transparency, we're obligated. Uh, it's the over six NFL picks week eight recap. Um, yeah. So we came off a heat of the week before, got really confident going into this week, and uh, we kind of, I don't really know how else to say it, but I especially got my ass handed to me. Now, there is a few games, obviously, that are. Uh, you know, that I want to briefly touch on because I feel like I got robbed on them. But let's start on the Thursday night. Thursday nighter, we had Green Bay. No Devontae Adams, no wide receivers heading to Arizona. Arizona favored by six. And Green Bay got it done. And, I mean, we should have just looked at the stats. Aaron Rodgers is now 7-0 and without Devontae Adams. That's it. He's just 7-0 and without Devontae Adams. Maybe Devontae Adams and should be a healthy scratch a la Justin Hall. And at the same point here, like we know Arizona is a good football team, but do they feel like they were by far the best team and undefeated? No. So this kind of felt like a letdown spot. And yeah, I just, I don't really know to divulge too much into this game. Kyler didn't look good. I think Hopkins being out really hurt him. Even if Hopkins is on the field, he's a distraction. And you saw that the snaps he was playing is they were really watching him even when he didn't look healthy at all. And I think that's a big issue with this offense. Even when Hopkins is on the field and not doing anything, he's a distraction to the defense. So it opens up guys like Christian Kirk and opens up the field. And I think that was a kind of a struggle for Kyler a bit. And this Green Bay defense is kind of stingy. I know their corners without Jair are a little struggle, but uh, the rookie Stokes looks good, and they got a couple other good pieces there. Yeah, I mean, I Kyler just did not look good at all from a fantasy perspective. He was an absolute disaster. Uh, cost me the week. Um, I mean, he's won me some weeks, so I can't be too choked about it. But, yeah, I mean, he kind of had a little an- ankle injury at the end. Um, yeah, I don't know, dude. It, it's uh, We were both on both on the birds, the Cardinals, on this one. And, um, yeah, I mean, just didn't kick it off right. And, and, yeah, I mean, Aaron Jones surprisingly didn't get used as much as I thought he was. A.J. Dillon had, had himself a- – a little bit more of a game now jones was uh, the touchdown was taken back near the end so 
because he didn't get in or whatever. I forget happened there, but um, his fantasy performance was was fine uh, from a gaming perspective. Though I mean, hey, it just they they just didn't have it, and that's going to happen week to week. Yeah, I mean, it really came down to the final play of the game, and I don't know what Green was doing. Oh if he looks God. around, they have a good chance of getting PI or a touchdown and winning the game. So it kind of came down to the last play there. Few mistakes by Green Bay, as you said. All game, A.J. Dillon looked like the must, much better rusher. Yeah, Aaron Jones is the better pass catcher, no doubt about it. But straight rushing-wise, A.J. Dillon was good. You're inside the three-yard line. you got a massive back like A.J. Dillon. Why is he not running it in? Some weird plays, some weird moves by Green Bay. But despite that, they pulled off the win and the upset, and both teams are sitting. I know Green Bay sitting first in the NFC. Yep, and... Uh... Didn't, so an 0-1 start for us. So did it get better on the 1 p.m.? No. Yeah, we'll move into the first game. We had the Panthers heading to Atlanta. Atlanta favored by three. And, I mean, I've just promised our uh, our loyal listener, Nate, that I will keep feeding the Panthers, and they won this week. And I really thought they should have. Atlanta's not good. Atlanta doesn't deserve to be favored over anybody. But, uh, yeah, just a messy game. No team really looked good. Matt Ryan, just two INTs, looked worse. Oh, my gosh. Yep. I, I, I flex-started him in fantasy, and it was such a regret. Like, like Carson Wentz had, I think, 20 fantasy points. I just couldn't stomach. After watching Wentz against Miami, I couldn't – or, sorry, um, uh, Matt Ryan against Miami, I could not stomach uh, Wentz because of the picky through last week, and that was so stupid. Matt Ryan just had the worst game I've ever seen fantasy-wise. 5.82 points or something stupid. Oh, Brutal. Yeah, I don't I don't really have much more to touch on that game, so we'll move along. We had Pittsburgh heading to Cleveland. Cleveland favored by three and a half. Pittsburgh pulls it off 15-10. Are you gonna start to believe in this Pittsburgh defense a little more, Burke? Yeah, I think so. I mean they definitely were not bad. Um, no doubt. I mean it, it hurts the Browns that they're not as healthy for sure. Um OBJ is useless. Um, they, they're, they're not going to throw to him the rest of the year, whether that's personal beef or whatever, but he's wanting a trade out of there. He was pulled out of practice today because he wants to – you're talking about him leaving Cleveland and other crap. Um, I don't know. Like, they just don't see – after their injuries and, like, after Baker goes out, Chubb was out, Hunt was out, they just haven't looked the same. And credit to the Steelers where it's due. Um, yeah, their, their defense has definitely picked it up. Offensively, they're still meh. Like, they're not – anywhere near how good offensively they were last year. Um, but if their defense can keep them in games against good teams like this, then, uh, you know, you're going to have some success. Yeah, they kept – Nick Chubb didn't get anywhere in this game. They kept that intact. It's sounding more and more like OBJ will not suit up for Cleveland ever again, but they do not want to release him because then they still have to pay him out. Sounds like there could be some talks of basically nulling the contract, but it's a whole mess. This all comes out after his dad sent out YouTube videos of Baker – not passing it to OBJ when he's open and stuff. But then I'm like, you watch the eye test. OBJ's dropping it. He's doing some weird things. The chemistry's not there with the two. And OBJ's gotten worse every year. So you can move along from that. Yeah, some of the other injuries have hurt them. In a game where Chubb can't run it against a really good defense, you'd love to have Kareem Hunt in there who can do the pass catching out of the backfield. And you're still missing a healthy Jarvis Landry So and a healthy Baker. Baker's not great, but he's manageable and he's decent. So, yeah, but, uh, yeah, this Pittsburgh offense can get enough done with the talented players they have. Again, if they had a decent quarterback, they might be the best team <laughs> in the conference, but uh, they got Big Ben still back there. 
Yeah, well, but, not until uh, next year. We'll have to see what happens next year. I'm still high on this defense, and this defense proved to be really good again, and it has them a chance to really push for this division. This division is super tight, way tighter than I think a lot of people had it, so it'll be fun. But I'm still high on Pittsburgh a lot of weeks just based on their defense. Which, fair enough. Next game, we had the Cincinnati Bengals heading to the New York Jets. Uh. Magic Mike White. See a guy won 125K off of betting that Mike White would be the highest yard throwing quarterback this week? Yeah, $1,000 paid out $125,000. The best part about this is Mike White only made $45,000 for the game. (laughs) This guy made triple what Mike White did in the game for betting on Mike White. Dude, I don't even put $1,000 on like a spread. Like, I don't think that, like, actually, I put $1,000 on a game once, and I got burned by um, Blair Walsh on a kick, a 30-yard field goal. Like, I, that's one time that I put that much down, and you're putting $1,000 on Mike White to have the most deal. That's just crazy. I mean, hey, I paid him out, but dang, man, that's that's insane. And, oh, the Bengals absolutely laid an egg in this one. Like, they couldn't stop. It's the Jets. They're terrible. This was a huge letdown spot for the Bengals. Ten and a half did seem like too much. I just couldn't do it with the Jets. But Mike White actually looked better than Zach Wilson. Michael Carter, their rookie running back. If you told me before the week that Michael Carter would be RB1 for fantasy football, I don't think I would have believed you. He's going to be a good running back in the future, but RB1 for the New York Jets? I was shocked. This Bengals D just took a beating. Everyone was talking about how good they are this year. That the... The D is helping them up so much. It's not just Chase and Burrow. It's this defense. And this defense giving up 34 to the Jets. You can't be considered that good of a defense anymore. I'm sorry. I even put them in a, I put the Bengals in a six-point teaser as well. Um, and still didn't work. Like, I was like, just win by a touchdown. They couldn't do it. Um, the other thing is, too, is from a survivor pool perspective, this week was a mess. Like, in mine at least, there was, like, there was going into this week, there was eight people left. I'm not in anymore. Um, getting bounced last week off of uh, whoever that was that burned me. Um, but this week, there were six of the people of the eight were on the Bengals. And just like that, there's two people left out of eight. Um, and that's sometimes the beauty of a survivor pool. But, uh, Cam, if I would have told you that, uh, that at the start of the season, after week eight, the New York Jets would have one more win than the Miami Dolphins, would you have believed me? No. <laughs> Oh, it's so bad. So moving along, we had the Tennessee Titans heading to Indy. Tennessee pulls it off in overtime. And I guess we forgot this in our headlines. But Derrick Henry is out. Derrick Henry is out. Yes. The foreseeable future. It sounds like he has a chance of being back for like week 18 of the playoffs. But they got to get there. And can they get there without Derrick Henry? Um, The other... The other thing here, the other question I have to pose about this game, who is the best receiver, or who is the Carson Wentz favorite receiver on Indy? Uh, Pittman. False. Defensive pass interference. Ooh, even This better. guy has gotten more yards defensive pass interference than any other team by far so far this year. Every time, I mean, he's throwing it up to Pittman in triple coverage. And somehow the defense is getting defensive pass interference. It's like, there's three of you against one. you got to be able to stop this guy. 
And Wentz just keeps throwing it way downfield in horrible spots, and the other teams keep taking penalties. It's ridiculous. This is why I couldn't take him in fantasy. Couldn't do it. Um, but yeah, Derek, RIP Derek Henry's fantasy owners. Like, especially if you also have other guys who have got hurt, like if you're a Kareem Hunt stack. Um, yeah, like it's it's just disastrous. But yeah, I mean, with that game. Um, yeah, I can't say that that's one that I that I got correct. So it is what it is. It is one you got correct. Oh, is it? I thought I had Colts cover. Oh no, there. You're right. You're right. Sorry, I thought Tennessee it was I, cov- covering one so, and a half. Sorry, I thought it was Titans minus three and a half. It's not. It was minus it was, one and a half. By game time, it actually swapped the other way. But yeah, 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 yeah you're right. So I was right on that one. There you go. You Ooh. were you were right on that one. Let's it, go. Yeah. The other thing here is just you saw the good and the bad of Carson Wentz. He looked really good at times and really horrible at times. This game, though, Tennessee winning now. They're 6-2. and two. Uh, Colts are 3-5 and five and second in the division. So even with Ryan Tannehill and A.J. Brown, they should figure out a way to not lose the division because they've won both games against Indy, so they have the tiebreaker. So they're just got to hope Derrick Henry can get back in time for the playoffs. So they're in deep trouble. Oh, man. I was I was high on Tennessee this third of the year, and Derrick Henry was proving me right. And then now, I don't know. You're gonna have to find out to see the team can haul the weight. So moving into the next game, we had the Philadelphia Eagles heading to Detroit. Philly favored by three. And this wasn't a football game at all. Forty-four to six for the Eagles. My letdown spot prediction after that Rams game, after throwing the kitchen sink at Sean McVay, was correct. The Detroit Lions looked terrible. They looked like they had nothing in this game. And Philly does is not a good football team. They do not have a good quarterback. Their quarterback still could not do anything. You put up 44 points. 44 points. And your quarterback throws for less than 105 yards. They ran the ball 46 times. 46 times. I started Devonta Smith in that game, and I was like, yo, this is going to be a perfect spot for this. Detroit... They're going to give up some points, probably keep it close. And not only was my spread prediction wrong and they got blown out, Devonta Smith had, what, two catches? Which is not bad target share when there's only eight passes or ten passes thrown all game. But, man, like I just – because they haven't run – like this has been the thing we've said. They haven't run the ball all year. All they've done is throw the ball, and then finally they start running the ball again. And then What a weird week. Miles Sanders goes out to – Injury, Sirianni's like, yeah, let's run the ball. But not with Kenneth Gainwell, our backup. Let's go with Boston Scott and Jordan Howard. That seems like a great idea. And they both scored two touchdowns, so it did. This was also a massive fantasy killer. There was a lot of people who spent a lot of money on Gainwell with Sanders going out because it looked like the perfect play. And then he gets nothing because they go with Boston Scott and Jordan Howard. So just a weird game. I mean, Detroit for weeks. Week. Detroit was like super pesky for a while, but now you're just kind of realizing that they're not a very good football team. Even like their first overall pick, who was supposed to be a generational offensive lineman in Panay Sewell, people have him as the sixth best rookie offensive lineman so far this year. He has Uh. not been as good as you'd hope. He's getting better each week, but for being a generational where guys were thinking maybe an offensive lineman could go first overall, he hasn't been very good, and that's just typical Detroit. I don't think you can read too much into it other than you have Hawkinson and Swift for fantasy. Everybody else and this team in general, don't bet on, don't take, don't do anything with. Yep. Moving along, we had the San Francisco 49ers heading to Chicago. 
San Fran favored by three and a half, and they covered quite easily, 33-22. Bears defense letting me down. Again, and maybe, like, again, I we talked about this last week when we were doing picks, is, like, I was like, hey, maybe because we haven't really, I haven't really even paid attention to San Francisco as much, and they had a bad week last week, <clears throat> that... Uh, you know, I'd have a biased opinion and it looks like that was right. And perhaps I need to stop giving the bears as much credit as I've been giving him. Yeah. I mean, Justin Fields actually had a game where he looked like he knew what he was doing at quarterback, but San Fran was just weird. They got the job done. Debo Samuel, just another crazy game. He goes off for 171 yards. Elijah Mitchell is looking like an RB one for this team. I like that. Again, he just takes the touches and gets the job done. 137 yards and a touchdown. Garoppolo threw for 322 on 28 pass attempts, but no touchdowns, no interceptions. Like, kind of an awkward game. They're going to get Kittle back this week, it sounds like. So, kind of an interesting team. I still don't trust Shanahan as a good coach. But, yeah, the Bears just aren't very good, and I don't know really what to think about it. And with their defense kind of being injured week to week, you can't really bet on them. I'm going to have to start watching a little bit more 49ers uh, football. They might not be... I need to get a better opinion of them. Watch them play a couple more games so that I can really ramp it up down the stretch with my picks. Moving along, we had the LA Rams heading to Houston. Rams favored by 14. Can I start? (laughs) Yeah, you can start. Technically, this is a cover for us. For you. For me. I took Houston thinking Tyrod Taylor was going to play, which he did not again. He did not. The closing line on this game was 16 and a half. So most yes. people lost. Yes. So again, there's value in picking games early. There's also like, you have to be careful sometimes because like if cam picks early on the Texans, because he thinks Tyrod's playing and they're out at, then it would have been better for him to take the 16 and a half later. Cause he would have covered. Um, I took the Rams early by 14, the 16 and a half covered, bothered me this backdoor houston cover was so annoying the rams were up 38-0 at the end of the third quarter how the fuck do you let the texans put up 22 on you like did you just take every starter out and we're like like and this is where like people talk about how like the nfl and gambling is rigged and this is a great example of a sus cover 38 nothing fully in control they did this against the colts earlier in the year where they were in full control and they just were like ah we'll let you back in the game no doubt about it like it's just so annoying and i was like this is one of those games where i was just so pissed off about watching this come down the way especially having rams defense where they had like 24 points going into the going into the fourth quarter and then they got chopped it down to 17 like still a lot of points but you lost seven points for just an absolute disastrous fourth quarter oh i was just so rattled and other news about the rams they get von miller in the in the trade deadline on tuesday or monday whenever that was so yeah, I, I i love this rams team i mean to me this cover and stuff yeah it's just bullshit but this team to me is the number one team in the nfl i know they lost to the cards but you just look at everything this team is. We would have liked to see them kill the clock better. I mean, Daryl Henderson had a good game, 14 carries, 90 yards, like 6.4 average. Like that's efficient. You think you'd be able to run out the clock better in the fourth quarter, but now you add Vaughn Miller, Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey. You've arguably three of the best defend top 10 defenders in the NFL on the same team. You have an offense that has record setting pace right now with Cooper cup and Matt Stafford. 
Like, Cooper Cup might break NFL records this year for everything he's doing. Stafford looks good when he needs to. He's using guys like Robert Woods, Van Jefferson. Daryl Henderson looks good now that he's healthy. Like, this team is just so good on every level. But, yeah, the covering, I mean, you never know when it gets that big and they let teams back in. That happens in those large numbers. Again, there's parts of Houston's offense that are pretty good. Brandon Cooks is a good player. Davis Mills can throw the ball. I don't really know what to say about that. There's as long as there's no neck jokes here. Ah. Uh, but yeah, like this Rams team just looks so good. They're still my Super Bowl favorites. They were before the year, and they're going to continue to be. My futures on them winning the Super Bowl look pretty good. Yeah, not bad at all. And yeah, Brandon. So Tyrod should be back this week, hopefully. Um, definitely going to help my Brandon Cook stock, no doubt. Um, I must start in fantasy this week. Even last week with them getting blown away, he still put up 17 points. So that uh, that was pretty nice. Yeah, moving along, we had the Miami Dolphins heading uh. to Buffalo. Buffalo favored by 13 and a half, and they backdoor covered this the opposite way of you usually seeing it. Miami should have covered this game. I mean, a chance to win this game. Their, their, their red zone efficiency is horrible. Not even the red zone efficiency. It's just... They can't score touchdowns. Just, this game was awkward. I mean, they can't kick field goals either. They kick field goals at the same percentage. Jason Sanders is like, was like the best kicker in the league last year. And this year, he's... Now, two week, or last week, or whatever it was, he wasn't his fault. This week, he just shanked one. It happens. I get it. But, man, how can you go from the best to, like, unwatchable? Like, it's just crazy. With three and a half minutes left in the game, Tua had a chance to drive the team down the field to win the game. And this offensive line killed it. Just absolutely killed it. They took a stupid holding penalty on a decent play. And then they got blown up on a sack, which Tua didn't pick up great either. Then he throws the interception because they're like third and forever trying to do it. So the offensive line let it down. But again, Tua with a chance to win the game in the fourth quarter, kind of let the team down again. Again, he looked fine most of this game. Their offense looked fine. It didn't look any worse than Buffalo's. Buffalo's was all over the place as well, but just this fourth quarter, Tua just keeps coming up. Yeah, I mean, and this is where I look at this and I say, hey, like, I, and this is weekly. Weekly, I don't know what to make of it where, like, he definitely has good plays and he definitely, you know, at, at times I'm like, man, this guy's got some stuff using his legs, like, putting some, put some nice placement on some balls. And then, you know, the end result is just never there. And you know, if, if this is the problem, if the end result is never there, like if you, if you can, if you're looking good, um, for three quarters of the game, and can't get done the fourth quarter, then you're not, then you're not the quarterback. That's just it. Like it's just not going to work. Like I, you have to be able to close games. Fitzmagic was great at closing games. Yeah, you don't want to compare to it to like a Carson Wentz, but that's kind of what he is where like you're watching some drives and he looks like a great quarterback. You're like, yeah, this is a guy I can build a franchise around or at least build an offense around. And then the next drive, he'll just be absolutely horrible, throw a stupid play. And you're like, okay, no, this guy can't even play in the NFL. And it's just right now he keeps doing that. I mean, he's still technically like if you look at games played and minutes played, he's a rookie still. So maybe we need to give him a little credit here. He's thrown seven touchdowns to five interceptions. He has some rushing touchdowns there. So there's some upside there. He just needs to be better when it counts. He needs to get better in these fourth quarters. He's thrown too many interceptions in the end zone. He's 
not being able to do a two minute drill here and run the team. So got to figure some stuff out. This offensive M- must line win is not game helping next him week. much. Must win. Yeah, must this, win. This offensive line isn't helping him much, but uh, he's got to be better too. This offense needs to be better. And uh, we'll see. This is if they don't win next week, we're in deep trouble not owning the first our own first round pick. So uh, got to get up some wins. An easy schedule coming up here. We got the Panthers, the Jets, the Texans all coming up here in short order. So let's get some wins. Let's do it. I need. We need some wins. I need some a morale boost, no doubt. Moving along, we had the Jacksonville Jaguars heading to Seattle. Seattle was favored by three and a half. And wow, thirty-one to seven. Jacksonville uh, does Smith, suck. So, yeah. Geno Smith finally figured out that Tyler Lockett's good. Did you start him? I did not. Uh I don't blame you though. No, Tyler Lockett was unstartable and yet still went off. DK Metcalf had a good game, and this offense for Jacksonville just looked horrible. I think a big killer to them early was James Robinson leaving the game early. Really, they're running their entire offense around him and what he does, pass catching and rushing wise. So they were kind of a little lost there. I just, I still don't know what to think of Trevor Lawrence, but uh, I think a lot of the blame's still on Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer's not a good coach. And Urban Meyer what, is going to be lucky to have a job next year. You no, know, he's going to be at USC. But <laughs> uh, you say what you want about Seattle. Pete Carroll is a really good coach. They got a must-needed win here. They're sitting all right. They're going to a bye this week. Russ has the pin out of his finger. You never know. He should be back. It sounds like he has a good chance of being back after the bye. So that's a huge upgrade for this team. So uh, Seattle's not out of it now. They needed to pick up a couple wins here, and they've got the job done. They're 3-5, and five, tough division, but you never know if sneaking into a wild card spot. If they can get a couple wins, especially against these tough division, then. And maybe we can start betting on the Seahawks again consistently that'd be nice just add an extra team where i have some certainty about that would be good moving along we had the new england patriots heading to la Uh, la favored by five and a half new england with the upset 27 24 justin herbert has not looked good the last two weeks nope making a ton of mistakes i couldn't believe the effort that they put up after the bye and after getting blown out the week before the bye, you come out with an effort like that and you could say, well, I mean, it's Bill Belichick. They just got out coached. Like, nah, man, like they just didn't play well. And like, I, I get that sometimes coming off a bye week, like you're like, Oh, I gotta get back to work. Like, you know, whatever. And you, and you got to play bill the next week. But man, like after getting your ass kicked the week prior to the bye, I really did think that they were going to just absolutely get things back on track. And they did not. Teams coming off the bye week this year so far, one cover. Ooh. They've covered the spread once. And, I mean, you, you can't just keep saying this, but it's true. Bill Belichick is just a good coach. He came up with a good scheme here against Justin Herbert and came up with a better scheme. They just knew how was to it, play was him. Was it blitz? Justin Herbert was not great in general. He was just throwing it all over the place. And it's, it's these – blitzes that don't always blitz same thing that flores tries a lot in miami you're seeing a bunch of teams do it where they'll look like they're blitzing every time and you have no idea whether they do everyone drops into coverage nobody drops into coverage there's some dancing around same stuff that brian flores took from new england bill belichick still does justin herbert has all the arm talent in the world but these he looked like the reasons why he was ranked as the third quarterback in the draft these are the issues these are the things that can confuse him and mess with him and bill belichick 
does those schemes better than anyone in the NFL. And they got a big win and these chargers, I don't know if really good. And now this division, that division's even up in air. Like no joke. Are the Raiders the best team in that division? We're going to find out this week. So we will keep moving along Tampa Bay heading to New Orleans. New Orleans Saints cover 36-27. Big news in this game, Jameis Winston injured. They still get the win. Simeon comes in there, gets the job done. Kamara was good. Melvin Ingram looked good at times. They just got the job done when they needed to, and this defense is just really good. There's no way around it. This defense for New Orleans is good. Marshawn Lattimore is exceptional. And the coaching's really good. Other news aside, too, Michael Thomas not coming back this year. So for all you fantasy holders who have Michael Thomas on your IR, time to just get rid of him. Um, you know, I don't think that's necessarily a blow for New Orleans. I mean, it's, it is in the sense that they have a quality wide receiver that they're not going to get this year. Um, but you've had success without him this year, and you really just got to, you know, keep trusting that. Um you know, Marquise Callaway, the door stays open for him to have some success as a wide receiver. We'll have to see how he does with Simeon as opposed to uh, as opposed to Jameis. Um, really disappointing effort by the Bucks, frankly. Um, I don't know how you don't take the Bucks here. Looking back, like I don't know how I would take the Saints plus four against the Bucks, but um, the you Saints sometimes just, I don't know. They like, beat them the three out of the last four times. They beat them. Since Tom Brady came there, he's lost three out of four times to the Saints. Oh, and got this... killed in a couple of them. True. True. I don't know. They won the playoff game over the Saints, but the other three games now he's lost. And there's got to be something there with this defense that just gets to Tom Brady somehow. Sean Payne. And it it isn't going to be Simeon, I doubt, this week. It's going to be Taysom Hill. More than likely, he's ah. going to come off the concussion protocol. So that'll be interesting. We'll see what Taysom Hill can do. Good Lord. Uh, so we don't Sean... start any... Don't start any New Orleans wide receivers this week. No, I'm pretty sure. I mean, in general, I think Alvin Kamara is the only start. I actually wouldn't be scared of starting Taysom Hill. Well, he's going to run Taysom. like like a madman. He'll, he I, runs I, way less when he's the quarterback. When he goes in for these special plays only, he runs. When he was their full quarterback last year with Breeze out, he started running way less. Well, maybe I mean, he's probably trying to stay healthy. Yeah, maybe because he's concussed, he'll run less. I mean, that would be a smart play, I think. For sure. Yeah, but and again, New Orleans is looking good. So you get some more question marks in that division now. Saints are only a half game back of the Bucks. So again, tight division. Saints now hold the tiebreaker. So see if they can get it done. Next game, we had the Washington football team heading to Denver. Denver favored by three. Uh, they got the job done, even though they tried really hard. Really, really hard not to. Most boring game ever, in my opinion. Did you see the end of this game? I didn't watch the end. I turned it off. Like I think I was just flipping around. After Miami started to be a disaster, I was like, I'm just going to move. So I moved to a couple, so, and it was 17 to 10. Like Denver, up seven. With almost timeout, they decide to pass it on second down. Incomplete. Next play, Melvin Gordon has to run it and try and get a first down now because you can't run out the clock. Fumble. They really didn't want to win this game. And that starts with coaching. What are you doing throwing on second down? Up seven. Run the ball. In the fourth quarter. Just run it. Yeah. Even give them less time. Make them use their timeouts. 
But I mean, maybe maybe chance. Melvin fumbles it on second down, but like maybe. That, yeah, that's mean, not don't, coaching, don't, don't stop the clock though. Yeah, it was just it, it was some horrible plays, but uh, this Washington offense is just so bad. They're not good. Gibson's looking like he's getting used less and less with his break in his leg. So sounding more and more rumors that he might get shut down for the year. And why would you keep him in anymore? This team looks horrible. They just need a better draft pick. They need to figure out this offense some more and figure out the secondary because the defense doesn't look good. Teddy Bridgewater didn't look good. I mean, this was just a horrible football game. It was not good, and it was under the total and just overall just, as I said, an unwatchable football game, and the bye could not come any sooner for the Washington football team. Going into the Sunday nighter now, we had Dallas heading Minnesota. When we picked it, Dallas was favored by two and a half. At game time, Minnesota was two and a half. So I got really good closing line value. Closing line value means shit if it doesn't come through. <laughs> Cooper Rush and the Cowboys get it done 2016. The Vikings one... also were trying to lose this game. No, I just got one phrase. Oh. Kirk Cousins in prime time. No, it's bad. It's not good. Just Kirk Cousins? Fade. Auto fade. Regular time? Good. Quite good. Prime time? Bad. Just, d- d- yeah, don't bother. Fade. This game started off so good. I took Kirk Cousins in fantasy this week as a streamer. I got Lamar Jackson. I felt really good about it. First drive of the game, nice touchdown, looked great. And then he put up five more fantasy points the rest of the game. They didn't look good. I just, their offense just confused me. Like, they weren't trying to do much or take advantage when they should have. Like, this was a gettable game. Cooper Rush was fine. He got the job done. But this was good a game him, where you could have... First, first, first career start in front of his parents. Like, good for him. You, you could have ran up this score. Your offensive scheme was so bad. Like, you didn't care about this game or didn't want to win it. And, yeah, it made no sense to me. Like, this Dallas defense isn't that good to only give up 16 points to this Minnesota offense. This Minnesota offense is really good. They got Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, Cook, Cousins most of the time other than primetime is good. Like, it just made no sense. And uh, good for Dallas. And I guess we got to give them credit. I, I don't want to. They're not going to cover 17 games in a row. So I guess I'm, I'm almost at the point like you were with the Sabres where I just got to keep feeding them because eventually they're going to lose. They're not going to cover eventually, the spread everywhere. Eventually they'll miss. My last comment on this one is um, Dalvin Cook as a, as a fantasy starter as a running back and just overall his production this year is way down um in the fantasy league that we're or the fantasy app that we use he's the 30th ranked running back which means that there's 29 other running backs that are better and like people won't give this guy for anything but he's just not producing the same numbers i'm not convinced that like he was off the injury report this week i was not convinced that he's fully healthy and just doesn't look like it. he just doesn't look like him himself. Like he did last year. Um, and he was winning people leagues last year, winning people weeks last year. And this year it's just not, not the same production at all. And Jefferson also had a bad game. Like it was just a, it's just a poor effort from the Vikings all around. So quick question here based on the Derek Henry injury, McCaffrey being McCaffrey, Barkley, Barkley. Now you're getting Dalvin cook on a down year. Going into next year, right now, who is your number one overall pick in fantasy football? As a running back? You're you're probably taking a running back first. Well, yeah, I I would. I mean, it's got to be – well, 
number one pick probably would be Cooper Cup, frankly. I mean, as a wide receiver, like the numbers that he's put up this year. But if it's a running back, I mean, I don't see how you're not taking Alvin Kamara right now. I know he didn't have the best numbers either to start the year, but he's been better. Um, yeah, I, he's up. He's up know. to RB six on the year. Derrick Henry's going to clearly drop from that RB one spot at some point. But there, there's three options here. It's Alvin Kamara. Austin Eckler or Jonathan Taylor. Those are your three options for number one overall pick. And just based on the upside, and I think the years you've seen it, Kamara's got to be the number one pick. So I feel pretty good at picking up in three and four in fantasy because I think by the end of the year, he's going to easily be top three. Yep, no, I agree. I mean, Najee Harris has actually had a pretty good year too. If you look at his production, like... The guy gets 30 touches a game. Of course he's going to be good. If they get a real quarterback next year though... Not going to be the same. <laughs> we'll have to find out. Maybe Big Ben will come back next year again. <laughs> Moving into our final game, the Monday night football game. We had Kansas City heading to the New York football giants. <sighs> Patrick Mahomes. Say it with me, Cam. Keeps. Say it with me. Kansas City. The Chiefs. D- don't, don't cover. Don't cover. And I said last week, I go against what? I go against the, the, the knowledge what I do every week. Chiefs don't cover. And I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, but New York Giants, like they're missing pieces and they get the job done. And frankly, they probably, like they had a chance to win this game. Like they really did. They had a chance to win this game and um, and they blew it down the stretch. Like they had the ball, tie game, they couldn't get it done. Now, kind of a messy game overall. Again, Patrick Mahomes, another interception. He's just going to blow like he's going to finish the year with the most interceptions. He's not having a good year in real life, in fantasy, in anything. We're now seeing where Patrick Mahomes, who was drafted number one uh, quarterback, most likely you could see him at two or three. He is now ranked going into this week. Some people have him at six or seven. Like this offense and Patrick Mahomes are not like you can't bet on them every week. I mean, Travis Kelsey is still going to be a tight end one because tight ends suck so much overall. And Tyree Kill is still a good wide receiver in fantasy, but Pat Mahomes, you can't trust anymore. He's consistently putting up less than 15 points. He's just turning the ball over too. Like, and it, and it just, it doesn't look the same at all. Like you're hundred percent right. This offense can't get it done. Like they're kicking 30 yard field goals. When have we ever seen this offense with Mahomes, Hill, Kelsey kick 30 yard field goals? They don't do that because they get touchdowns there. It's it's just interesting. It's hard to bet against them, though, or I think covering-wise, yes, but against this team. You have Pat Mahomes. You have Hill. You have Kelsey. You're going to get CEH back this week, and Andy Reid is one of the best offensive play callers we've known in the last while. So it's hard to bet against this offense, but it's hard to bet on them right now. Well, I'm like, they're fan, like you saw some of the stuff about their fan base getting like being frustrated, right? And the players are like, well, we have a Super Bowl. We've made the Super Bowl twice in the last three years, and we've had some, like a lot of recent success. Like, what are you getting pissed off about? And it's like, I get that, but I, I don't know if it's as much of they're not winning or it's the effort that they're putting up. I mean, if you go off to go every week and watch, um, you know, Patrick Winston throwing like picks all over the place, like it's just, it's that would be frustrating to me. Like watching no. Miami game, same thing. Like Tua throws a bad pick, and I'm just sitting there, like, oh my gosh, like, what are we doing? Like, how do we have chances to win games? And we're like one and seven. I look at the Chiefs as the exact same thing, where they're like, like we're, and they're much better than us. You have that much offensive firepower, and you can't get the job done. Like as a fan, I'd be pissed too. 
Yeah, it's just a messy situation overall. It's one of those where you looked at them like two years ago and you're like, this is going to be a team who's going to win the Super Bowl five, six times. Like, this is our next true dynasty. Now they don't look like they're going to make the playoffs. So it's it's a complete 180 from where they were. I mean, I think they're going to figure it out a bit. I still think they have a good chance at the wild card, just knowing how good this team can be. But they just have some big holes. Like Sorensen's awful. The entire game plan for the other offense is just throw where Sorensen is on the field because he's not good, and this offense isn't scoring enough points to get it done. So, If you were I the mean, management, would you be concerned about Pat Mahomes' deal kicking in next year? I, I think he'll figure it out. I think he's too talented not to. He's not Jameis. He's not any of these guys. He's got the job job done in the prime time. He's just got to make an adjustment now. The league, I think, is adjusting to him a bit, but he's also trying to force it too much, I think, with his defense being yeah. as bad. And he doesn't need to force it. If he just plays his game, the offense will get its job done, so he doesn't need to do everything. What was our, uh, what was our record? It's not so, good for me. Uh, it was a rough week for both of us. I went six and nine, forty percent. Could have been better. Could have been worse. Some weird games. You went four and eleven, twenty-seven <clears> percent. <throat> Big knockdown after that seventy-five percent from last week. Seventy-seven percent should have been rough. Should have been like sixty percent. That's what I'm saying. Like it should. Sorry, fifty percent. I think fifty percent could have been fair. There's definitely a couple games like Miami probably should have covered. Um, there's a couple others in there that I look like the Bengals probably should have covered. And I mean, that's just the reality of the game that we're playing. So, I mean, I can't really get much worse than four and 11. And I was also over two on my locks, my locks being chargers and chiefs and neither of them got it done. Yeah. I think this uh, double lock thing is not happening again. As we go over four overall. Ugh, so backfire oh, overall for the year. Again, we're being a hundred percent transparent. We're picking every game against the spread on Tuesday, Wednesday nights, usually Every single game. We're telling you exactly how we did. So overall, I'm sitting at 45% on the year. Not great. Zach, you're at about 49% right now. But again, if anyone wants to sit here online and make fun of us, let's see you pick every game against the spread and be transparent. Our locks, on the other hand, just fade them. I am now 11% on locks. Burke is sitting at 33% on locks. Okay, so I can save it. I can save it. I need a couple of good weeks in a row. Maybe we have to go back to double lock again, but it just could just dig us a bigger hole. That's the problem, right? Yeah, it's an it's an issue with the locks. Uh, yeah, just fade our locks. I, I don't really know what to do there. But overall, sitting with a chance to end up at the end of the year over 50%, I think we're doing pretty good for first-timers. So let's keep it going. And, I mean, we got to keep it going talking about the Thursday nighter. Yeah, who do we got? We have the New York Jets coming off their big win over the Bengals. Heading to Indy, who Indy played it tight with Tennessee. Indy favored by 10 and a half here. Oh, man. I don't want to pick the Jets, though. I'm going to pick the Colts. Give me the Colts. Colts at home, minus the Jets team. They just came out. So the Jets just came off a big win. Um, I don't think that this this uh this mike white is gonna strike like lightning's not gonna strike twice um i think that the uh the colts could rough him up a little bit more and if the jets go back to their not scoring any points ways i don't think carter's gonna have as big of a game and really this will be a true tale i mean if the jets put up a game against a pretty good colts team then um you know then maybe they can kind of turn their season around uh, but again, you know, this is a bit, it's a, it's a big, it's a big number. 
really, really big number. And uh, I don't know. I just think, uh, you know, if if Carson Wentz is going to have himself a game, if Jonathan Taylor can get it going, uh, you know, if you keep throwing it to Pittman, who had a big game last week as well, then I, you know, I think there's a chance that they could definitely, you know, they could definitely <laughs> – put up some big numbers and if you could just limit the jets to just a few then um yeah there's you know more than likely a possibility that uh, that you can cover that i mean if you look at the other thing too um you know the jets are zero and four when they're on the road and they're only two and five against the spread this year indy's five and three um so i, I you know i'm gonna go i'm gonna go on the side of the the better covering team and the home team and uh, yeah, Indianapolis minus ten and a half. Yeah, I have to agree with you here. I just think this is such a letdown spot for the Jets. They came off a big win over the top AFC team. I don't see anything that goes well here. And Indy needs a win. They got to compete in this division. I think the Henry news is actually going to pump them up, where they're going to want to get some wins, thinking that the division's back in reach. I totally agree. And your little dog was barking on you. So we'll, uh, we, we've got that picked. We both got Indy minus 10 and a half. So uh, this schedule is a little bit off this week because we do have uh, our friends from the Sports Gambling Podcast joining us uh, Thursday evening. So um, our picks podcast will be coming out on Friday and uh, our recap will be coming out either late uh, tonight, which is Wednesday, or it'll be out. To, well, it'll definitely be around Thursday morning. Uh, one way or another. So that's the schedule. So the good news is, is with uh, us releasing a day late, that means that we have uh, extra content because our picks episode, we'll do that. And we'll have the SGP guys on. It's going to be a good time. We'll have to defend our boy Tua. Uh, really, really looking forward to that. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at over six sports at Zach Burke over six and at C Charlton turf. And as always for the over six sports podcast, I am Zach, the band Burke and with me, the turf King, Cameron Charlton. Thank you for listening to Over Six Sports, and we will chat with you later this week.